Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Well, hello again, and welcome to episode 199 of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for all your local, national and international news and links. Visit them on bcsoccerweb.com. I'm your host, Michael McCall. Hope you enjoyed Sunday's show with Steve, Zach and Gideon. Having a look back at the Whitecaps win against Atlanta, the Canadian Championship loss, and a chat with Bernie Abini, and lots more as well. For this episode, we're turning our attention away from club football and onto the international scene. We've got a lot to bring you, and we're going to kick it off with a couple of international Whitecaps. Costa Rican international Whitecaps. Kendall Waston and Christian Bolaños have headed off now to join the Costa Rican national team for two huge World Cup qualifiers that are coming up this week. They had a nice send-off on Saturday with the Caps win over Atlanta. Two goals from Kendall Waston, set up the third as well for Timmy Parker, Stroke, Freddie Montero, whichever way you want to look at that. But now their attention is firmly focused on Costa Rica and trying to get the team to qualify for another World Cup finals over in Russia in 2018. And the Ticos are sitting in a good position right now. Second in the Hex, three points behind leaders Mexico after four games played. The top three in the Hex automatically qualify for Russia. Right now that's Mexico, Costa Rica and Panama. The fourth place team goes on to have a a two-legged playoff that you don't really want to have against the fifth placed Asian side. And in the Asian qualifying there's three games still left to be played in this round. And if things stay as they are just now, the fourth place team in CONCACAF's hex is going to play either Uzbekistan or Australia. Tough games for sure. And Costa Rica are wanting to make sure that they are not in the position of having to go through that playoff. They want to sew up their automatic qualification as soon as they can. And with the two games that they've got coming up this week, they've got a great chance of basically having at least one foot in the finals, almost a foot and a half. And when you look at Costa Rica's qualification campaign today, it's actually remarkable that they are sitting in second place. Three of their first four games have been away from home, and they've come away from that with a win at Trinidad and Tobago, a draw with Honduras, and a 2-0 defeat at Mexico. Their only home game so far, of course, came against the US with that fantastic 4-0 win that they had. And that kind of set them on the the road to a, a great qualification campaign, Now they've got two massive home games coming up. Thursday, June 8th, the day that this podcast is coming out, they're at home to Panama. That match is taking place in San Jose. Five days later, in the same stadium, Trinidad and Tobago come calling. And if Costa Rica can get six points from those two games, it's really going to set them up. They're basically going to have clinched a place in the finals and another appearance at the World Cup finals, which for Chris Bolanius would be his third, but for Kendall Waston it would be his first. So I got a chance to speak to Kendall Waston last week at Whitecaps training. Before the game in Atlanta and before he headed off to, to join his Tico teammates on Sunday, just talking about the qualification campaign so far, how exciting it is to be that close to the finals and what it would mean to him personally to represent his country at a World Cup finals. So let's hear now from Saturday's man of the match. Whitecaps centre-back, Kendall Waston. 
So two big games coming up for, for Costa Rica on the 8th and the 11th. Two home games as well. It must be nice at, at this stage of the, the hex to have those two crucial games at home. Yes, totally, because um, we need to win both games to try to have um, almost a spot in the World Cup to qualify. So um, we are very excited and and hopefully we can have those six six important points. And it's, it's been a great start to, to this stage of the qualifying for Costa Rica so far. You, you don't want to look too far ahead, but you must be really confident that, that you're going to make it to the World Cup. Well, at this moment we don't know because um, still we, have, we still have um, other complicated games. Um, US is ahead, well Mexico is on the top, so um, here you don't know, but in these two games are, are crucial because if we win it, we win both games and basically we only need around one, two points to qualify. So we are just thinking on win the six first points. And you've, you've played in an under-20 World Cup, funnily enough, here, here in Vancouver. What, what would it mean to you personally to, to have that World Cup experience? Is it hard not to think too far ahead of what it might be like if you get to go to Russia? Well, I think um, any player would love to play a World Cup. So for me, it's, it's very important to qualify and try to, to obviously be there. But at first, um, this is the hardest part to qualify. After um, being in the World Cup, I think it's like the enjoying moment. How good is this Costa Rica team? The last couple of years, the, the whole programme at all levels seems to be really, really doing well. You gave a good account to yourself last year at Copa America as well. How good do you see this Costa Rica squad? I think that um, from the World Cup, um, coming back now, um, well, everything helps that, that most of the players are playing outside the country. They're playing in Europe. So that helps to improve the quality of the game. So all of those things and the competition in the leagues that they are playing, it helps when we get united in the in the national team to to have a better like a show show like a, a better type of of game. That's great. Thank you so much. Good luck <laughs> in these two games. <laughs> Thanks Kendall. So Kendall Watson there talking about all things Costa Rica and he's really excited about these games. He's not wanting to look too far ahead but you have to feel that Kendall, Bola, all the, the Costa Rican squad just now, they must know that if they can get six points from these two home games, they're, they're as good as in. And if you've listened to previous podcasts, you'll have heard me chat to Bola a little bit about Costa Rica in this World Cup campaign and he revealed to us that this is going to be his last sort of year and a bit playing with the national team so he wants to go out with a bang he wants to have his third appearance in a World Cup finals and it's going to be fantastic for him if and when that comes about for Kendall as well his first appearance is going to be really special and meaningful for him he did play of course as we mentioned there in the under 20 World Cup in 2007 played games in Canada in Vancouver for Costa Rica but to be with the senior team in Russia it's just going to be an amazing experience for him and the international games are coming fast for Costa Rica. After these two qualifiers this month, next month they head to the US for the Gold Cup. And both Bola and Kendall are on Costa Rica's preliminary 40-man squad. No real surprises there. But I had a chance to catch up with Bola recently just to ask him what his plans are for the summer. Is he planning to to go with the squad to, to play in the Gold Cup or... Is this a chance for the Costa Rican coach to maybe blood some younger guys and kind of have a little bit of a mix, give Bola a little bit of a rest? And you might be interested with what he said, and, and here is exactly what he said. This summer, the Gold Cup's on. Yeah. Do, do you know, are you going to be involved in that, or is your plan to kind of let the younger guys be in that team and maybe have this summer here with the White Caps? Uh, soon we have uh, two games, very important in, in Costa Rica. 
uh, qualification oh, yeah, to, yeah, to the World Cup. Yeah. So and then is coming the Gold Cup. So I just heard the coach want to to want me to bring me there too. But I don't know. It's too soon to to see what's going on. I just try to be uh, all the time here to be in a good shape to to be ready for the games. Um, we see what's going on. Um, I have good relationship with my coach in, in Costa Rica, and if we need some time to just stay here and take some some easy days, um, just to be in a good shape for for to think what is coming, you know, the next games, who is important for me, who is important for, you know, both parts. So, but I'm very happy right, right now. Yeah. That's great. Thanks so much. Cheers, Paula. So from a Whitecaps point of view, selfishly, you kind of want Bola to stay here in the summer. We're going to lose Kendall. We're not losing Timmy Parker. He wasn't named in the 40-man preliminary US squad. Bit of a surprise to me. I honestly thought he would be mentioned at least in the 40-man squad. Maybe wasn't confident that he would go to the Gold Cup. But it is a chance to to blood these young guys, give them a, a taste of the international game. But to not even be included in the 40-man squad with the season that he's having, baffling to me. Great for the Whitecaps though, we've got him here. Don't really want to lose him and Kendall the way the centre-back situation is at the moment. And of course the the tricky centre-back situation with the Whitecaps has been brought upon by Christian Dean having an injury and David Edgar being out for a season-long injury. Both big blows to the Whitecaps not having these guys to call upon. Parker and Watson have been phenomenal at the back for the Whitecaps, but we are going to lose Kendall for pretty much all of July. Dean is back training. You would expect him and Parker to be the centre-back pairing going forward as long as Dean can stay healthy. Cole Seiler got a little taste beside Parker in the Champions League game out in Montreal in the second leg. Wasn't a great performance from Seiler in that. So you kind of really do hope that, that Dean can be healthy and, and be good to go with Parker. But the loss of Edgar is definitely going to be felt, especially in July. And I had a chance to to sit down with David Edgar a a couple of weeks ago. We were going to bring it a couple of podcast episodes ago, but then we ran out of time that week, and then I decided to to keep it for this kind of internationally-themed episode. So I got a chance to speak to David about his injury, what he's doing to occupy his time now that he's not able to play this season, or is he not able to play this season? We'll cover that. Also a little chat about Canada's Gold Cup hopes and the Canadian Premier League. Here's David Edgar. In a time when hats were high, I had no Canadian flag. Just a sign of David Roger, too scared to purchase larger. When I walk through the clyde valley, in the shadow of fiery chat. But we'll fear no evil, wrapped in the Canadian flag. So, David, first thing to ask you, I guess, how are you feeling after the injury? Yeah, good. Um, obviously, it, it's taken. It's been a slow process up to this point, uh, and over the last two or three weeks, we're getting to a, a certain point where we can really kick on now. Do you see yourself? I know it's a season-ending one for the first team, but do you see yourself able to take the pitch at all? Maybe even with WFC two or anything this year? Yeah, I have. Uh, I have got targets in my head um, that uh, I'll, I'll sort of keep to myself in terms of when I'm thinking. Um, working hard with the medical staff but definitely see some football in me before the, the season's out well, that's, that's good to hear I mean the, the, the whole incident as well like the hit and run and stuff must have been a kind of terrifying time for you the, one of the newspaper reports in Newcastle had said it was even a, possibly a career ending injury was, was it that bad that at, at first they weren't even really sure you know what uh, it, that was never discussed I've never been in that mind frame I wasn't sort of negative about it the, the the medical staff here has been excellent. The surgeons back in, in Ontario were excellent with me and, and we were realistic in, in terms of what we talked about, but they know that uh, I'm at an age where I can recover well and that's the way that's just the way we've we've been looked at. We looked at it positively. Don't want to dwell on the incident, but it's like has there been any fallout from it? Did they ever find a person or anything like that? You know what? Um, that's sort of something that that I'm pursuing off off the pitch in terms of it's not really to be discussed. Okay. Um, but uh, it's um it was just a frustrating freak accident, and um, it, it's, it was tough to take in at the time. But um, 
you've just got to move on and and I think I've done that quite well in terms of my mentality. So moving on, you, you've been doing a commentator job mm-hmm. with WFC2. I've just started doing colour commentary for the PDL team TSS Rovers. Oh, okay. So how have you found doing all that? Yeah, it was good. It was, I was really nervous. Um, my wife said it was like it was, it was a Saturday afternoon and she said it was like I was getting nervous for, for my own games the way <laughs> I did. So it was a good feeling to have that, that sort of nerves again. But I took it really seriously. Um, whether I want to do that in the future, I, I don't know. It's, but it's just another string to my bow, I guess, in terms of... You know, you got to keep yourself occupied during these long-term injuries. I was lucky enough not to have. This will be my first one. So, but it's it's something I think I came at the right time. I I know the game. I know. I've listened to a lot of commentary. Watch all sorts of type of football, and uh, I thought I could just give it a go. And the club's been fantastic and let me do it. And what have you seen from this USL team? There's a lot of talent there. A couple of talented centre backs. We saw Sim Dewitt get yeah. his, get his chance on Tuesday night. What have you made of that team? I've been really impressed watching them. It's 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 been fun. I knew a lot of the the players, but obviously some of the younger players have come in this year. It's and it's I like to know about the club and who's here and who's coming up. And there's some some real some real talents there. Some good young players and um, obviously I can. It's it's strange discussing them on on the on the television, but it's uh, it's it's good. And the boys are they want to learn and they want to uh, they want to get better and they want to be in the first team. So it's it's massive for them. Now, Looking kind of at Canadian side, the Gold Cup's coming up this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know whether it's going to be a young squad or kind of a mixture, but what do you see from this, this group just now? There's been a few veterans retire, but mm-hmm. are, are you hopeful that they can make a good run this year? Yeah, always hopeful. Um, again, the Canadian Soccer Association is in a bit of a transitional period um, with a new coach coming in, and he's, he's running everything from, from grassroots up. He's taken the, the reins and all that, which is good, and we're all going to sort of go in the same direction. But, uh, yeah, we've got some good young players coming through. We've got the, the player pool in, in general is getting bigger. That's even with two of our top, like, fantastic players. We don't know what Atiba's going to do in the future, but Julian's hung up his boots. and uh, some, There's good young players to come in and, and fill, their, fill their shoes there. And the other big Canadian announcement was for the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Now, when you were growing up, obviously, you left at an early age. You went over yeah. to Newcastle. But for other players, there's not really been a lot of opportunities in Canada if they want to be pros. What do you think this league's going to mean for the game here? Yeah, it's, it's massive for the, for the for soccer in Canada to get the league we've always needed and wanted. Um, and if it's done if it's done properly and, and it's successful, it's, it's a good outlet and a, and a good uh, pathway for young players because the talent's here in Canada. But like you say, there, there hasn't been that that outlet for them unless they were to go over to Europe but passport issues and things like that restrict players and some good good young players so I'm looking forward to it and looking to uh, looking to see how, how it all works out and how it pans out You've got a chance to watch the team from afar this year the, the defence it's completely different animal from, from what it was last year what do you think it is that's kind of made that change this year? You know what it's uh, it's a really together group here and, and I can see that because I'm I'm in the in the training room every day, and it's there's a great atmosphere. Um, and there's boys. I mean, some of the performances you can see, we're talking bodies on the line, um, defending, but not just not just the back four, back five. Everyone, everyone's really bought into to what we're doing here, and it's it's a good place. It's a good place to be right now. And we were, I mean, even if some of the games you see that we didn't get results, we're playing well. It's and it, it, it's always a good sign. You know we're going the right direction. So, but it's fantastic to see the the back four doing well and uh, David doing well and even Spencer Ritchie coming in and, and doing well. It's it, it's defending as a whole, taking a pride in it. That's great. Thanks so much, and no hope way. to see you back in the pitch. Thank you. Thanks, David. And I wear it for my lady, the Canadian flag, baby. So David Edgar there, certainly a, a scary injury that he had and hopefully he does make a full recovery and we see him back on the pitch soon. Sadly it won't be an MLS play but if he could get back before the end of the season, get some minutes under his belt in USL, be a big help for the, the USL guys but also get some back in the frame for maybe some international games with Canada as well. And it's pretty certain that if Edgar had been healthy he would have been away with the Canadian Gold Cup squad. The preliminary roster for that was announced this week as well. Five current Whitecaps named to that preliminary 40-man squad. few ex-players as well, such as Adam Straith and Kian's Froze. Scarily, only three forwards are, are named on the list as well, so hopefully they're all going to be healthy and in good form. 
And we don't know yet how many of those five Whitecaps are going to make the final Gold Cup roster. But there is a danger that the Whitecaps could be without the services of Sam Adekugbe, Marco Bustos, Marcel de Jong, Russell Tybert and new Canadian Alfonso Davies. The big news this week, of course, Alfonso Davies getting his Canadian citizenship. Congratulations to Alfonso. The the video that the Whitecaps put out, the 18-minute video, just kind of chartering his, his life, the struggles he had in his early years, coming through the refugee camp, moving to Canada with his family, all that stuff. It was so heartwarming. It was... It was emotional, it brought a tear to your eye, and just a great story. He's a guy that you just want to do so well because he seems so down to earth. There's a great bit in the video where he said how his mum didn't want him to move to Vancouver until he was maybe 17, 18, because she'd, she'd seen on TV what, what kids were like in the big cities and how they go off the rails, and he made a promise to her that he wouldn't change. And from all the, the times that we've spoken to him in the last couple of years, he hasn't. I first saw Alfonso, it was his, his very first match actually for the Whitecaps residency. Under 16 game, I think it was out in Cloverdale, 2015-16 season. And I, I was taking photos of him, watched the game, thought, oh, he's, he's, a, he's a great player. Never thought for a minute how fast his journey would be to, to the top level that we've got today. And some of his performances of late, the, the two performances he put in against Montreal in the Canadian Championship, you know that he's got something special. I am a little torn with him being named to the, the Canadian senior team right away. I understand why you want to do it, plus you also want to cap him because obviously he, he does qualify to play for Liberia as well. But Canada is where his heart is and it was always where he was going to, to choose to play. Pitching him in though at the, the senior international level right away does add a little bit more pressure onto his shoulders but he does seem to be a guy that this pressure doesn't affect him it just it's like water off a duck's back so we wish him well if he does go to the gold cup i hope he lights it up puts a few more extra million on his transfer ticket but like i said great story wish him nothing but the best and we're going to bring you some audio now with alfonso We've had a couple of chats with him over the last year or so, as I said. But one of the more recent chats with him was by our good friend of the show, Harjit Johal. She got a chance to catch up with Alfonso a couple of weeks back. Asked him about a lot of stuff, including what it would mean to him to, to play for Canada. So let's listen to that now. Has your family helped you to get where you are today? My family helped me a big, a ton. Because uh, family is a big part of my heart, um, big part of everyone's life. So I'm, I'm glad they're behind me the whole way. When did you start playing football? Started playing at a very young age, around four or five. And you got scouted by the Caps, or how did it start? Yeah, I came, uh, I came here when I was 14 for a try uh, showcase, and they saw me play. So my Edmonton. Coach, yeah, Edmonton Strikers, coach, uh, coach told me they want to bring you out for a trial, so I came out, I played, and they are really impressed, so then they brought me in. What kind of sort of advice you get and knowledge you get from your teammates? Um, they always taught me to keep my feet on the ground. Uh, when you go out there, play your game, play like uh, you're just playing around in the park with your friends, so have fun with it. So you, because you're not afraid to go 1v1 against some of the top guys in MLS, so where does that come from? Um, it's just uh, my when I was growing up, uh, you have nothing to fear on the field. Uh, you just go out there, play a game. Uh, going at a defender, beating him—that's that's what that's what I'm good at. That's what I'm gonna keep doing. How do you balance like homework, social life? Russell says you're on the Instagram photo thingies. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's, it's hard, but um, the Caps are doing the their very best to to keep me in line with that. And also, my mom's behind me, spanking me every time I don't do it. Has it been a highlight for you thus far? A big highlight? Yeah, a very big highlight. Uh, being a pro at 16 years old is a, a big accomplishment. Accomplishment. So it was like when you scored that goal, when you first had your first cap, or what? I think it's when I first had my first cap when I came on against Orlando, and running on the field, I couldn't believe it. I was actually a professional, but coming on was was a great opportunity. 
How does it feel knowing you've got Man U, Liverpool scouts, that they're watching you? Uh, it's uh, they're a really top team, really good top team. Uh, but I don't really pay attention to that though. I just try to do what's in front of me, try to focus on what's in front of me at this point. Yeah, Ashley Cole in your pocket. What was that like? Was he chirping a bit? No, he was. Uh, he was respectful. He wasn't chirping. Uh, I think no, he wasn't really talking to me. You know, we just play our game. Saw differences after the game. Said good game to each other and we left. A few more questions. Have you had like an aha a moment on the pitch, or is there, has a guy said, "Well, like, like I sixteen or some guy said anything on the pitch where you got his respect, maybe? Yeah, probably against uh, Tigres Zignac, uh When I when I at the end of the game, he, uh when I split those two defenders, he came up to me. He's like, "Wow, you're a really good player. Keep going. Uh, don't let anyone stop you. And thank you." Now you've got a bit of a heritage in your background. Would you like to represent Canada on the international stage one day? Definitely, Canada is uh, one of the one of the countries I would represent. Uh, coming the country. The country, sorry. Yeah. The country I want to I would represent. Uh, yeah, it's a great country to live in, to be in, and I'm glad that we came over here. Do you have dreams of playing in England or Europe? Definitely, every every little every young professional professional player have a dream playing in the top team. Uh, in the biggest stage of in the world, so I hope one day that's going to be me. Who's your team on the FIFA? On FIFA, uh, it probably has to be Bayern Munich. I play with them or Barcelona. Thank you very much, Fonzie. You're welcome. Cheers. So Harjeet Jahal there talking to Alfonso Davies a few weeks back. Really want to thank Har for letting us use that on the show this episode. If you want to read the written version of that that she did, you can find it on Red Nation Online. And you can read all of Har's stuff on Red Nation Online, also Equaliser Soccer as well, for all her coverage of the women's game. Follow her on Twitter at Har Journalist. That's H-A-R Journalist. And she's out east at the moment watching the Canadian women as they, they play in Toronto in a couple of days' time. So she'll be bringing you all the news and recaps from that game as well and some interviews. Always great to have her on the show. We never really got a chance to mention in the last episode, but the chat which we played with Tyrone Mears, that was what Har got after the game as well. Steve, unfortunately, ran out of time to put it into the show on Sunday, so I put it into the podcast, but I wasn't able to, to mention Har by that. So once again, thanks to Har. Give her a follow on Twitter. But Alfonso there is a new Canadian, as we said. Very exciting moment for him. It's been a long time coming. You could just see the joy all over his face in the videos and the, and the photos that the White Caps released off that special day. And Alfonso Davies is a player that I know all Canadians are going to hope is a, a member of the national team for many, many years to come. When the World Cup comes to Canada, hopefully, in 2026, Alphonse will just be 25. And it's going to be phenomenal to, to see him take the pitch for Canada in that tournament. It's kind of crazy to think of a 25-year-old Alphonse Davies because he's been 15 and 16 for so long. But he's, he's one of the future stars for Canada. And one of the former stars of the Canadian national team was honoured recently. Paul Stolteri became the latest member of the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame. So Terry had a, a wonderful international career with Canada. The most A appearances for Canada, 84 in total. Won the Canadian Player of the Year in 2001 and 2004. Started his club career domestically with Toronto Lynx, went overseas, played in Germany with Werder Bremen, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Had spells in England as well with Tottenham and Fulham. But perhaps his most crowning achievement was being a member of the Canadian Gold Cup winning team in 2000. And we're going to end this episode with a conference call that Paul Stalteri had recently after his induction into the Hall of Fame. Really good chat with Paul about a number of different topics. It was myself, Daniel Squizato, Stephen Sander and Richard Scott from the CSA that were on the call. So we're going to bring you that in full now. A lot of interesting things covered, as I said. So let's hear now from the newest member of the Canadian Soccer Hall of Fame, Paul Stolteri.
thing I wanted to ask you about is I think that um, a lot of people are familiar with the heights that your career hit with the national team and in Europe, but um, I'm interested in how things got started, specifically the fact that uh, you started out with the Toronto Lynx, you know, the opportunity to play with a, a local team like that. Uh, and, and I also read that uh, the first game that you recall watching live uh, was an old Toronto Blizzard game. So taking those both into consideration, I'm kind of curious as to your thoughts uh, about the, uh, what, what it means for a player to have those opportunities uh, to, to see games live, uh, to play for a local team, and how that helped you uh, get to uh, the places you reached in your career. Yeah, well, obviously, thank you first and foremost, and secondly, um, you know, when you look back, uh, back those uh, are the referring to the old CSL days, where young kids, uh, probably my son's age now, uh, have an opportunity or had an opportunity like I did to uh, go out and watch um, uh, what, what was considered or what was uh, the highest league in, in Canada in a Canadian league. Uh, played with with uh, with, a, with a few local teams, and we had the opportunity to go and watch that. And that's you know, obviously remembering watching some of those games as a, as a really young player. And uh, you know, it's, it's it was uh, it was it was great to see. Uh, at that time, you don't really know what you're watching. Obviously, when you're young like that, you're just watching what you, what is the what is the professional soccer game. And uh, at that time, so you're not really probably realizing. Uh, anything other than that, so you know that's what young kids, uh, what young kids do, and you see it through, uh, through my son nowadays uh, watching, and my daughter watching, you know, MLS games or local games, uh, local MLS games that are here, then the opportunity to watch those professional players play. It's something that the first, you know, kind of influence they got on their lives. So it's, uh, it's very important, and, and you know, a stepping stone to that, uh, having uh, the chance and the opportunity to play for a season. Uh, with the Toronto Lynx, probably something very similar to what it would have been the Blizzards back uh, when I was growing up. Uh, uh, that kind of a level uh, was an opportunity for me at 19 years old uh, uh, to to gain that professional experience and, and use that as a as a stepping stone into uh, into my first club in Europe. Do you have any thoughts uh, about what? Uh, the announcement of the new Canadian Premier League might mean for the chance of other Canadian players to uh, possibly follow in in your footsteps uh, in the years to come. Yeah, I figured that. Uh, <laughs> I figured that three years ago, and with it uh, <laughs> as well on my side. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, uh, any chance that, that kids at a certain age. And I think we have a big a bracket. Uh, it's no secret where we have a gap where, where our kids are not playing at a good enough level. Um, come a certain age in their in their development, and they need that. Uh, they need that in their development, and they need that to to prolong their to progress and, and start their career. So uh, definitely looking forward to to having that opportunity and, and, and seeing it firsthand, and, and, and hopefully uh, it coming to fruition in, in, in a big way, and, and that being one of the big cornerstones to, to developing uh, Canadian football to the next level. wanted to, uh, to ask, I mean, obviously Julian and now you have, uh, have uh, you know, had, had such pioneering careers going to Europe and, and playing at extremely high levels in Europe, and we're not seeing Canadian players do that now. Is it that MLS has replaced it, or do you see a future where some other Canadian players are going to have those kind of Bundesliga premiership or La Liga minutes? Well, obviously, there's no doubt that uh, that the MLS has probably taken taken some of the players that might have gone overseas. Um, I think the, one of the big uh, factors to realize is just how difficult it is um, for players to go over there and succeed. I think we shouldn't. Uh, yes, the MLS is, uh, has, has done a great job, and, and they've been able to manage to keep some of the top players here and, and play here, but we also have to remember, not, not hide the fact, too, that the... Um, that just it just shows you how difficult it is uh, to, for players to, to play in Europe and make it over there as a career. So um, and that's just uh, that shows what um, you know the players that came through, obviously without having the opportunity to play in the MLS, but uh, going through that grind in Europe and, and trying to make their way through uh, those European leagues, uh, starting off in, in, in the small, uh, sometimes small little countries or sometimes small little um, clubs in the in the league in the lower leagues, and then building yourself all the way back up into the through the top divisions, it just shows how difficult that is, and um, and 
would I like to see more uh, of our top players uh, maybe one day you know, back playing in like we you know there was a time when we had a handful of players playing in the Bundesliga when I was there and, and, and players playing in the Premiership and uh, and so forth so uh, is it something that you would like to see I, I still think our top players could still very well do that and, and something that would be nice to see as well that the, some of the top uh, Canadian players still playing in those in those top leagues in my opinion they're still uh, the very best in the world are, are playing there. The thing I hear over and over from Canadian players is that when you go over there, is you always feel the Canadian passport kind of puts a target on your back, that you might be the first guy cut um, or the first guy to be moved aside if you're not like at the top of your game at all times. Did you, did you feel that when you, when you made the move? Yeah, that, that's, that's part of the difficulties, like I said, part of the difficulties of being over there and playing. I mean, you have to, uh, you have to accept that. Uh, you're, not, uh, you're not a Brazilian, you're not an Argentinian, you're not uh, another European country. You you are Canadian. We are where we are, and uh, those are the things that you need to, to to take in. And you sometimes have to take those hardships on the on the chin and, and those difficulties and not use them. Uh, and I tried never to use them as an excuse as to to why um, you might have been uh, not picked in front of a, a German player or in front of an English player or in front of a other player with a different passport. Uh, you just got to use those. Uh, those hardships, those tough times, and and, uh, and use that as a as a motivation to to continue to improve and to continue to develop. In the end, the bottom line is that you know that the coach is going to pick his best players and his best players out there, no matter uh, the passport. And you've got to be uh, there, proving it each day and, and and each week to do that. And that just it, it it adds an element as to how difficult, like I said, how difficult it is to play uh, in one of the top leagues in Europe because. Uh, not just that factor, but many of the other ones uh, involved in that fierce, fierce competitive nature that, that exists there. Looking back at your, your time with the national team, there, there's always a lot of talk as to whether the 86 team or the Gold Cup winning team was kind of the pinnacle of, of Canadian national teams. Looking at that Gold Cup winning team in 2000, what was it about that collection of players that, that just made it click in that tournament? And do you think we'll ever see that again to, to bring home the Gold Cup to the country? Well, I mean, it, it was one of these, uh, it was a group of players, but there wasn't even a big group of players. It was a small, uh, uh, a real small group, considering nowadays, you know, there's, there's no squad that goes in there with less than 23 players, and we didn't even have near that, um, from what I remember, for sure. Um, so maybe that probably helped the group in terms of its, uh, its closeness, its tightness. And then it, it's like any tournament. Uh, as things progress, the group gets tighter. You spend more time together. Uh, you advance to the next round. You build on those um, that momentum. Then you get to the next round. You build on that momentum. And before you know it, um, you find yourself in the final and um, and, and a well-deserved victory over, over one of the top team in the in the, in the tournament at that time. So uh, the, I think that comes as a as a process as you're working, as you're playing together. You're you're in the um, hotel uh, as a group and everyone is, is now whenever you know when you look back it was a kind of a um, there was a gap in in, in in the ages there was a couple it was our generation well my generation coming through with the older generation that that blended in uh, together uh, fantastically throughout that tournament and it just you know it was one of those things that everything came together at the right moment for us uh, what I like to see or do I do I think um that, that that run is, is again possible, you know, absolutely. I mean, don't, let's not forget a couple of uh, uh, a handful of years later when we were we were competing uh, at the semifinal level against against the U.S. and 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 we're right there as well. So these tournaments, they, they you you never know with them and how you can build momentum throughout them. And I think that uh, there's no doubt that. Uh, there was a time in those in that era there where we were competitive in each and every Gold Cup we played in, um, and I don't I see no reason why we can't think that uh, uh, coming up uh, in July this year that we can't be competitive again and, and, and make a run for it and and be and, and make it into the next round and then from there you never know when you're playing one offs uh, how games can go and how momentum can can shift and and, and lead a group so uh, I, I have no doubt that uh, we can, can uh, we can compete at that level again in those tournaments. And obviously you're involved with the, the under-17s now and just been over at the, the World Cup qualifying. 
the teams at under 17 and under 20 level, they look stacked with talent, but when it comes to the big tournaments, they seem to just kind of not qualify or seem to not play up to their levels. What do you think it's going to take in this country to get the under 17s and the under 20s qualifying for the World Cup on, on a regular basis now? Yeah, we have to, we've got, we, you know, we're constantly reviewing and looking over and, and doing our, uh, um, you know, um, reviews on what's gone wrong, what we thought uh, went right, what, what we can improve on and what, you know, what we have to remember is that now it's not like it was when I, when I qualified back uh, with our group in, uh, at the 17 and 20 levels where teams are just getting together and, and putting a uh, the countries are just getting together, putting their team on the pitch. Uh, countries like like Cuba, like Panama, uh, like Honduras, like Haiti, for example, they're 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 together for a number of number of months and, and uh, a number of uh, camps uh, leading into these leading into these games. And these are these are also um, reasons why. You're not seeing these countries being steamrolled in, in qualifying anymore. You're seeing these countries put up uh, competitive teams, and uh, that makes that tournament all the more difficult. It's not just two, three teams to beat anymore. There's a, hand, there's, there's a number of teams. There are no easy games no matter the opponent. And our boys found that out uh, in qualifying um, just in Panama recently. So uh, what we've got to do is we've, we've got to continue to get these kids at that, you know, on that stage and preparing them uh, for the for the tournament and having them mentally ready and mentally set to to be able to compete uh, at that level and it's it, it isn't easy and those those players are prepared they're they're more prepared than they've ever been and ours need ours have to be at that level not just uh, mentally physically all these uh, components have to come together at one particular time and then you, you you're playing and, and then it's just a matter of the game itself and then when you really you micro it down to what actually happened in that game and what actually happened in those key moments of a, of a game that turn the tide uh, one way or another. Sometimes it's a, it's a matter of the ball going one way or another that, that, uh, or, or one decision from a referee or one decision from a player that leads to something bigger in the pick in, in, in the game. So uh, sometimes, yes, you, you analyze the big picture, but you have to also look at the, actually what, what really took place on the pitch of that day that determined the result as well. You can just maybe um, highlight you know, one or two moments uh, when Canada read uh, playing for the national team, uh, what were one or two key, you know, memorable moments uh, throughout your career that, that you remember well from your playing days? I think uh, from the, from bottom to the top, I'd go with the uh, if we talked about the youth uh, uh, teams first, uh, uh, just uh, you know, obviously qualifying for two two World Cups and, and being able to play in uh, those two World Cups uh, was definitely a highlight in. in, in my mind and in that group's mind in that group uh it was a really good generation came out then and i think no doubt that those two were were major highlights in the youth careers and and playing playing for canada and being able to uh, to lead uh, to go into two world cups was was a great was a great achievement for for us at that time and obviously at the senior side um on, on one side of the question, the, one of the major disappointments for me, I'd answered on a different way, was obviously in, in, in us not being able to make that proper run in World Cup uh, in World Cup qualifying. I still think that leads that's something that uh, I've always taken taken away as, as a as a big disappointment in one sense. Um, in saying that, just because I believe that the, there was a group of players there for for a number of years there, where we were just as good as any other team in Concacaf, and we really were. Uh, we really had a good, legitimate chance at, at, at making it into uh, a good run at, at qualifying, if not qualifying, and that, that never really took place. So that's a bit of a, um, a bitter taste left uh, for us not making it there. And uh, you know, on, on the other side of it, uh, on the positive side, would be our highlights is, is, is Gold Cups and obviously winning, winning the Gold Cup and, and making another couple of runs at. Uh, uh, one third place finish, and uh, and then and then getting knocked out um, against the U.S. In the, in the semifinal, which was uh, which was a little bit bitter at one sense, but the, the the quality of football we played in that tournament, I think, was probably the one of the top uh, that a Canadian team has played in in the, in the last uh, 10, 15 years.
terms of the the way we played the, the, that tournament and the results we did get. So those, I think, in a nutshell, would be it, really. And, Paul, just to maybe extend a little bit on the Gold Cup, because, of course, that's just around the corner. Um, and, and thinking back to that 2007 and even the 2019 um, what uh, you know? What what matters now is, is, is we kind of one month out. Uh, we've got a home match and then the Gold Cup. Um, you know what, what kind of what's important right now for for the current crop of Canadian players as you remember it, preparing for those Gold Cups in your past. Well, it's preparation for sure. No doubt about it. It's um, you know you're in. It's a real tricky time. Uh, 2000 was different. That was in, uh, in was February, I believe, Rich. No. Um, then January, February, I think that tournament uh, yeah. took place. It was a much different. Uh, it was a much different um, situation than it is now. Kind of in the middle of uh, the summer, players, boys, just starting back, would be just starting back um, with their clubs at the beginning of July. European-based ones, and then the MLS ones, right in the heart, in the middle of their season, kind of thing. So, um, much, much different dynamic than it was back back then. So in terms of where the players are, most of them at that time played in Europe as opposed to uh, MLS. So we were preparing, getting ourselves physically prepared more than anything for that for that competition. And I think that is going to be the case for, for a lot of the uh, European-based players that they need to be physically fit and ready to go uh, or much, much earlier than they would have uh, had to be um, uh, on a regular season going into their clubs. So that's, that's one challenging factor. And then... Um, the MLS players, obviously, with a bit of an advantage physically right in the middle of the, their season, uh, being ready to go and, and coming in and, and having a balanced uh, squad uh, in terms of being prepared physically and getting the ones that are already prepared and putting that all in that puzzle together and, and, and getting them ready uh, with the game before and, and, and going with a pre-tournament uh, camp and having them uh, having us ready, prepared tactically, and, and again mentally, physically for for that uh, for that tournament. And like I said, in these tournaments, uh, positive starts, positive um, results, they build momentum, and then from from there, you, you you don't know where you can go really. Paul Stolteri there definitely deserves his place in the Canadian Hall of Fame. To be honest, I was actually a little surprised that he wasn't in it already. And Stolteri is currently the head coach with Canada's under-17 team, oversaw their recent, disappointing, has to be said, CONCACAF qualification campaign for the 2017 Under-17 World Cup. But he's enthused about the Canadian Premier League, as you heard there. And that brings me nicely to mention that our next episode of the show is going to be our 200th episode. It's not the, the 200th podcast that we've done because we've got the extra podcasts, we've got the Mixler stuff that we've done, but it is officially episode 200 of the AFTN Soccer Show. And to mark the occasion, we're going to have it as a Canadian Premier League special. We're going to look at all aspects of the Canadian Premier League, what it means to the game in Canada, what it means to the players here, what the chances are of there being a team NBC. And we've got a number of guests on the show. We're going to speak to the man who's overseeing all the the business side of the, the Premier League just now, Paul Byrne. We're also going to speak to members of two of the supporters groups, Hamilton's Barton Street Battalion and the Halifax Wanderer Supporters Group. And there's maybe going to be a few more surprise guests as well. We're working on something particularly special that if it comes off will be fantastic. But if not, we'll allude to what it was going to be anyway. So tune in on Sunday for that. It will be live on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM if you're listening in the lower mainland, citr.ca online, 11pm Pacific time, that will be on air. Get your questions into us that you want us to discuss on the show. We'll, we'll discuss that live in the studio. And if you can't listen live, we'll have the podcast out on Monday. Really looking forward to this. It's going to be a special, special episode. But that is it for this episode, episode 199. I'm Michael McCall. You can follow me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. 
Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. I'm also the Whitecaps beat reporter for MLSsoccer.com, so check my stuff out on that. But until next time, which will be Sunday or Monday, depending when you listen in, thanks for listening, take care, and more the Caps and Canada. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. <laughs>